There are many ways to kill a vampire, but only one good way to listen to podcasts on Android devices, and that's with the Podcast Republic app. You can find it on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of good reviews, uh, so you don't have to take my word for it. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store if you're listening to this show on an Android device. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is a man who would take you seriously if you came to him with a vampire problem, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And yeah, I like I had a book of like that treated monsters as though they were real and was like, here's how you can identify them and here's how you can look for them. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a solid, solid play for a book. I feel like Although I don't know where it went. I might have to cut this out. Oh, I, I, I remember the cover very vividly. I remember the cover very vividly. It was like a all black kind of matte satin finish with just two yellow eyes on the cover, and it said like it was called like monsters or something like that. That seems pretty spooky. I don't remember that book at all, though. Yeah, I think you were. I had it. I definitely had it when I was older than I should have been for a book of like treated monsters factually. Yeah, so you might have not been around. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's uh, maybe, maybe that's the uh, maybe we write a book of how to be- defeat various monsters. Uh, you know, a sort of monster squad handbook. I'm super into that idea. Maybe that's maybe that's the idea. TM TM TM. Uh, we of course are extending the spooktacular a little bit. Any chance into, to stay spooky? Uh, I'm always here. Yeah, for exactly. It. We are entering the first ever No Vampire, celebrating vampire movies all November long. Uh, well, almost first all up November is, long. We well, also have to celebrate T-Hanks. Well, well. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't. We picked it, the last one for Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. There's a reading of that movie that's uh, right on brand, is all I'll say. <laughs> anyway, we watched the... 1985 cult classic Fright Night. So you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your Vincent Price knockoff. Something's going about your Vincent Price knockoff. When the mega powers explode. So let's start right there with Vincent Price, who is obviously I major adore piece. him so much. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful actor. However, I think this movie is way worse if it's not Roddy McDowell Doing playing Vincent this washed up actor. Yes. I think, the, I think the movie is way worse if it's Vincent Price and not Roddy McDowell. Because the original intention for this was movie was Vincent Price. Vincent Price. And uh, the uh, filmmaker, Tom Holland... He approached Vincent Price and was like laying out the pitch for this movie. And Vincent Price, uh, I read different sources. Some say he didn't do it because he was too typecast as a horror actor, which I think seems like nonsense. At that point, he's 30 years into it. Like, it's over, baby. Yeah. And also, like, he, 
at that point, he's doing commercials. In, like, I've recently, as of last year, got into vintage 70s, 80s uh, Halloween commercials. And there are a number of them that feature Vincent Price for yeah. Kodak know for polaroid vhs tapes that clean your vcr but he's in a spooky mansion so like hey hey, Vinny, yeah so the other thing i saw said he was not in great health at the time which i would believe because he was older yes and no because he wasn't he did he did i think edward scissorhands is his last role and that's right but what 91 93 right but he doesn't do a lot of moving in that movie that's true this is a pretty physical performance, even That's even true. without even factoring in. Obviously, there's stunt doubles and all that stuff. Like, there's a lot of ambulating in this part. You have to wave a cross around. You have to do some staking, and obviously, the stunt people are going to take all the hits and stuff. But I feel like it's still a pretty physical part, and you have to be a pretty spry uh, person to be doing that. Yeah, no, that's 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 very true. But I, but I, I and that's not even all of it. Which is well, also I've realized. This was 85. Is that is that the same year as The Great Mouse Detective? Or is that like 82? It's close. It's it's close. They're in that same ballpark, but I Vincent don't have the answer did, off the top of my head. did Radigan in Great Mouse Detective. Well, that's a voice. I know. Well, again, you can be very old and do a voice act. That just requires a stool. <laughs> I guess. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, if, uh, if they want to get... Uh, What's her face? Angela Lansbury to reprise Mrs. Potts. They could just like have her sit on a chair and do some voice acting. It seems very achievable. Yeah. Or Betty White. I'm surprised. Actually, not you say that. I'm surprised there aren't more like elderly voice actors. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there are some. A lot of people that you know have done or a lot of people who used to be famous were doing some voice stuff at the end of their lives in the, like the early 2000s late 90s like that drek that was going right to video oh yeah it's like you can cut a check for whatever older actor actress you can find that's fair anyway that's what i was what the the other thing too is with regard to the point about vincent price roddy mcdowell is able to do the bit a little more of making fun of a guy who was in the movies Vincent Price was in. And I don't know about him personally, but I feel like it would be hard for many people to do a character that's so thoroughly lampooning things that you were doing earlier in your career, especially if you weren't like comfortable with what those things were. And if he was upset about being typecast as this horror guy, I could see that being a sort of a touchy subject. That's that's kind of fair, but I have to imagine that Vincent Price can kind of take the piss out of himself i yeah he certainly like, seems, he seems like, the, like the dude who's like like i said like yeah sure polaroid i'll shill your vhs tape in a spooky manner get me a throne right 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 he's like drinking a coke through a twizzler and being like seasonal hunted <laughs> twizzlers <laughs> with new spooky cans of diet coke available yes, exactly. at local walmarts exclusively and you like twist the can around and there's like vampire holes yeah, fake in uh-huh, the can. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Vincent Price for a spooky coke. <laughs> for a diet spook. <laughs> um, but I think well, Ronnie so- McDowell is like the best part of this movie. That's what I was trying to get to in a roundabout way. I just want to put a period it's on the sentence real, and now we go wherever you want. It's a real, he's definitely a high point of this movie. Um, so, but the, it brings up an interesting. You bring up an interesting point that like it makes sense for it to be Rodney McDowell versus actual Vincent Price. 
I'm going to sort of yes and this because it's based on like he uh, Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, wrote this movie inspired by like late night horror hosts like that. He was like, Mm -hmm. what would a kid do if he if his neighbor was a vampire? He'd probably go to that person. And they brought up, you know, Sven I think, is the Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And Elvira was also he still hosts. Svengoolie is still out there doing it. You can see him doing it to this so day. So is Elvira. Yeah, yeah. How? But I'm saying Svengoolie is doing, like, Elvira is out there, like, being Elvira because she is sort of transcended into a cultural figure. Like, she's in the most recent Scooby-Doo movie that just came out, like, a month ago. Wait, really? There's, a, yeah, there's a spooky Halloween Scooby-Doo that just came out. I actually watched the, like, it because I had one? a free Redbox code. The, like, CGI one? Not Scoob. Oh. There is a direct-to-DVD. Oh, where she plays herself, Scooby-Doo. right? Because it's yes, Return yes, to yes, Zombie yes. Island. No, it's a new thing. It's not a return to anything. It's like it's I, got the word haunted. I could have sworn that was Return to Zombie Island. Because I love Zombie no. Island. She, it's very possible that Elvira has been in multiple direct-to-DVD Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo <laughs> adventures. The This is called Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. Oh, it just came out because I I, re- I had a <laughs> I had a free Redbox code that, that I saw that was expiring. There's a, a Redbox kiosk is now less than a block from my house, and so I've been doing a lot more of that. Could you not? And it was like it popped up and was like free rental expires in 42 minutes, and I was like, well, if I rent it right now, I can pick it up tomorrow, watch it during the day, and then return it before nighttime. Perfect. So that's what I did. Um, but but. Elvira has sort of become like this cultural entity. Sanguli is still doing still like Sven-Gooley. he he's hosting low and this is not a knock on him. I think it's rad, but he is like doing the Sanguli low budget Wayne's World type cable access show. Yeah, f- ho- introducing movies as Sanguli. Well, um, but imagine what this movie would look like if it was Elvira, like or an Elvira type in the in the Vincent Price role. That's a total disaster to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's an utter disaster. No, I'm I'm into that idea. <laughs> because Elvira's movie, Elvira didn't like the point of why this works is that this guy was an actor in these films and is therefore a pseudo expert. Elvira is just a host. I guess. I guess if she you're just a, like you're watched a lot of horror too. movies. But also like <laughs> well, being a horror host in general would make you a quote unquote expert in the eyes of a child. You would think so. But, like, Evil Ed has probably watched as many horror movies as any other person, and he's not able to be the expert. I guess. I don't know. I think it's a fun what-if machine to picture an Elvira type. Yeah, I, I think I think sexy Fright Night is the worst version of Fright Night. I don't think it has to be, like, sexy, sexy. I mean, have you looked at a picture of Elvira? That's sort of the whole appeal of the character. No, I... But like that doesn't have to be the the crux of the movie. Like it's not it's not the Elvira movie, which is a great movie. We're gonna get to it at some point. I just mean like she's that. You know what I mean? It's not her movie. She's just in this movie. Is what I would be picturing. I see. I just feel like her décolletage would be the only thing. The it would be a wor- like it would be a worse movie by a worse director with a worse script, and it would be a lot more boob related. I feel. The version that you're pitching, I feel, is more lowest common denominator. Maybe. But again, Elvira's like Dolly Parton. She's she's in on the joke. Agreed. I'm not... Okay. I, I, 
I'm trying to separate Elvira the character with the actress who plays her. And what I'm saying is the movie wherein the kid goes to the busty horror host for help is inherently less good because it will be made in the production system that we're talking about and be bad. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, horror hosts is another thing that I wanted to get into here because I have this like, I don't know what the, there's probably a word in German for it because Germans have a lot of very specific words for feelings, but I have a, one of the things I have nostalgia for, despite having never experienced myself really is the horror host. Mm -hmm. Like I have a deep nostalgia for like late night monster movie horror host things. It's something I would love to do one time. So we can never figure that out. That would be rad. But like host a live one, like sit on a couch. Yeah, I think that would. Yeah, I think that would be really, really an uh, entertaining thing to do. Is like do the horror host bit and and. I, I mean, I'm always down for that like, kind of stuff. But uh, maybe we'll do that one year. But the as a kid, I would have been way too afraid to watch the scary movies, even though they would have been like hokey and silly. And I know that now, as a kid, there's no way because I presumably this content was somewhere available in the, you know as on cable at some point as a kid, and now. I don't really like the movies that they show like they're corny and cheesy and most of them are bad and I wouldn't want to spend the time watching them. So it's like I have this weird nostalgia for a thing that at no point in my existence would I actually have enjoyed, but it just seems like something I should like. Yeah, I mean, I don't I would I would definitely want to host not necessarily the schlocky B, but like slightly above that. Right, but I feel like the gimmick is that they're like trash, hammer horror, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm more. I would be more into the like, the the deep cuts, like Alligator, where it's like it's not necessarily a bad movie, but like you haven't heard of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's we talk about that because this movie opens up with Peter Vincent hosting Fright Night, wearing a lot of pancake makeup. <laughs> so much. He looks like because you you've recently seen Kremlins too, right? Yeah. He looks like the uh, the the horror host in gremlins too yes uh isn't it uh from the monsters al grandpa al i think so or it's supposed to be if it's not okay yeah so actually <laughs> i should say this i am the most like recently prepared i've ever been to do a movie on this podcast because i watched the fright night remake i was gonna ask if you've seen it because i have not yeah i've seen it a couple times i think it's really i having just watched it less than a week ago i think it is a really good movie hmm. it's i i might like it more than this one and i like both of them very much i think it's really great um and then the same night that i watched that after my girlfriend went to sleep i found out that there was a sequel to this movie which i did not know about so i watched the sequel to the 1985 one the day same day i watched the remake and then the following day i watched this for the, for the podcast it in there. All the Fright Nights. I watched three Fright Nights in probably less than 24 hours. And then I found out that there is a sequel to the remake. Really? But the remake sequel. But it's not a sequel. It's like the same plot again, except they gender flipped Jerry. And I was like, eh, I don't really care about that. It is looks, it, it's supposed is to it be a really girl bad. discovering him then? Or is it? No, Jerry is a woman that's, named Jerry. That's what I mean. It's, G-E-R-I. Is it a girl discovering? No. So it's still a boy. Just Jerry is a vampire. Yes. Okay. Uh, they just gender flip Jerry, but I, I, that movie, the reviews of that are like, this is literally unwatchable garbage trash. You shouldn't waste your Sounds time. Here. So I was like, all right, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, but there, uh, allegedly is a third movie in Tom Holland's head that he's been writing as a book for several years. Oh yeah. And with, he just um, said on Twitter with, with Charlie is a single dad, right? 
I didn't see that in the plot description, but that would make sense. I, I mean, I think on but, Wikipedia, it's either the wiki or maybe one of the trivias on IMDb. It said his his idea was that it would be Charlie as a single dad, and it would be the um, what's teased at the end of this first movie would come back to full circle. Well, he just announced recently that he was going to make a big announcement on Halloween 2020. So maybe the announcement was the book. Maybe. In which case, I will definitely read it because I like it. But I will say, we're going to talk a lot about this movie. You haven't seen the remake. I, I really, really like it. I think it's it's a really cool the remake or the, modern or remake. The remake. The remake. Uh, it's It's got Anton Yelchin as Charlie, which is no offense intended here, but a huge upgrade. Like I think Anton Yelchin is one was... RIP that guy, yeah. like really going to be a guy to watch for. He was like, ju- I think he's just a tremendously talented actor. Just so, so good. And dying because of a failed parking break is just about the cruelest thing I can imagine for any human being. I agree. Just insanely stupid. Christopher uh, Sarandon's role is Colin Farrell. Which so he plays the he's vampire. He's always going to bring a great, crazy energy. Right. And he's very good in that. Uh, Tony Collette plays the mom. I want up the more Tony Collette in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they beef up the mom role a lot. Tony well, Collette gets a lot more you, to do. You, I would, I think it would be offensive to cast Tony Collette in an '80s mom role <laughs> and not make it bigger. Be like, oh, you're gonna yeah. have four lines, and then you're gonna take an yes. Uber out of the movie halfway through. She would be like, you yeah. go fuck yourself. She'd slam her hands <laughs> on the table like Hereditary and be like, I am your mother. <laughs> And Evil Ed is uh, Christopher Mintz-Plass, who played McLovin. Oh, yeah. Red. So he's got a really good energy for it. And then the uh, the horror host, because that doesn't really exist anymore, is replaced by a magician. And the movie's set in Vegas. And okay. the magician is David Tennant. Who I is love David just, Tennant. Yeah, he rules. You should watch the remake. It it's sounds, very I mean, <laughs> and, it and, and, and it was written by Marty Noxon. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend the remake. I highly recommend this one too. Spoilers. I normally say that at the end, but I the remake is excellent. I like this it's one. Very good. It's not gonna it's not gonna be but, a top five for me, but I like this one. But the other cool thing I, I liked about the remake and I thought it was so so clever was they set it in Vegas because Vegas one has a really transient population. Like people come, work there for a few months and then leave like without telling anybody. It's mm-hmm. it's like a it's a transient city. And secondarily, like a fully half of the population there works at night. Oh, true. True. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, it's the, like, it, I just watched, I've been on a real big vampire kick this horror season. And I just watched 30 Days of Night, which has the cool conceit where there's no sunlight. So the vampires have a playground. But Vegas as a vampire hotspot is the most logical American city I'm to put it in. I'm surprised it hasn't been done other than that. It seems like all vampire movies should be set either in New York or Las Vegas. Yeah. It just seems like the total answer. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, we're watching the uh, Peter Vincent show. He's hosting some schlocky horror movie. And Charlie is making out with his girlfriend. The and floor. they stopped the makeout. Yeah. I, I yeah, was like, well, there's a bed. So I was wondering if it was like a layer of mom defense. Oh, you, oh like mom won't know what we're doing if she walks no, in no, and, no. We're hiding on, and we're like on the floor. Because it give it gives you like a second more of hidden before, and you can like you're you you're looking for a contact lens or something. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's 
on the bed making out together, the door opens. You're just like, you're caught, right? The, on the floor behind the bed, the door opens. It's like, what are you two doing back there? And you can have a plausible deniability okay. is what yeah, I'm that, saying. That could be I'm, <laughs> Everybody knows what's what. Like, there's a blanket on the floor and a pillow. We know what you're doing over there. Yeah. Wait, who, oh, who plays the girlfriend in the new one? Or is there not a girlfriend character? There is a girlfriend. Um, Hold on. You can't name drop everybody else and then leave me hanging for her. I don't think she's that famous. Oh, I lied. It's Imogen Poots. It's actually a famous person. Yeah, that's isn't. Was she um, Midsummer? Was that her? I don't think so. Oh no, that that was Pew. That was Florence. Yeah, Imogen Pew. Poots is. Um, yeah, Imogen Poots was in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, way back when, and she's been in a bunch of uh, horror stuff that I've seen. Green Room, she was also in with Anton Yelchin. I don't know if you ever saw that. I, I purposely have not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, you should watch I it. I know. It's, it's, I know it's good, but I know it's, it's also going to like hurt me. Like I don't know that I'm going to be emotionally, spiritually ready for it. Why? It's Because Patrick Stewart's a Nazi? Isn't it like really intense? It's very intense. Yeah, it, that. Very that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, she's also great. I should have included her when I did the rundown. But in this movie... Uh, Charlie's making out with his girlfriend behind the cat behind the, the bed rather. And she stops the makeout to be like, Oh, Peter Vincent's on Charlie. You don't want to miss him. She is the most understanding partner in the history of partnerships. Except not because in, th- she, she's not written great because she waffles from being like, you love Peter Vincent to being like, no, don't touch me to being like, let's have sex to being like, how dare you not want to have sex? <laughs> within within so, a three minute span, like that is her her roller coaster. So my read on this is that the first two are actually the same thing, which is you love Peter Vincent. Look, it's Peter Vincent because she knows he's about to make the move and she's not ready. Okay, I can see that. So then that then those two things are the same, and then the fight is her like kind of lashing out and the other one is just the sad like okay fine i guess we're doing this which is a bummer okay i can see that reading and so the neighbors are carrying in coffins just straight up coffins it's really, basically. but they're really pretty looking coffins they are they are ornate. If, if one were <laughs> if one were to be choosing decorative coffins for home decor these would be the coffins one would yeah pick. they're like super scalloped and like really or ornate and curvy they're they're really gorgeous and they're coffins not caskets right uh caskets being the like roughly nailed together vampire looking things no from the old casket West. caskets are are the squares are the the plain rectangles coffins oh, are the oh, ones oh, that are oh. vaguely human shaped got it okay okay but charlie I think for the first third of this movie really sucks and well it's so he's distracted he never he it, he doesn't speak ever. So there's no like, like every time someone's mad at him because he's distracted thinking about the fact that his neighbor's a vampire, he never once says, my neighbor's a vampire. He never tries to get someone else onto his side for the first like half, like third of this movie. Yeah. Although I do feel like there's a pretty easy cover of people will just think I'm a lunatic. Well, he goes to the police. So he's fine going to the police with vampire, but not like his yeah, girlfriend but he doesn't, or his mom. He doesn't go He doesn't go to the police with vampire. He goes to the police with my neighbor killed a guy. And then when the police don't, when it starts to turn and he's going to be kind of 
out of luck, he then goes like, okay, it's a vampire. I should have told you in the beginning it's a vampire. And that point, the cops like, get out of here, you idiot child. I guess. I don't know. It just seems weird that like his mom gets mad at him. His girlfriend gets mad at him. And he, and he he's not like, or at least like, I think my neighbor's doing something. Like, give me some Disturbia, some rear window, like something. Yeah. I, I agree. It does need a little more rear window in it. And even the remake makes this same thing happen where he kind of gets withdrawn and people are like, what's wrong with you? You've been so weird. And he's like, nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. Go away. I don't like you anymore. And it's like, well, wait, what? Can't you just tell someone? Tell someone. Get some help. So they have a quick chat with mom. And <laughs> I love that the two of them are standing at the front door. And she's like, first, you want to make love. And then you don't want to make love. And I'm leaving, Charlie. And then the mom's like, what are you? two kids up to back there yes like mom clearly heard that why are you having this conversation here go out the front door you kids you kids doing it now or something you need a rubber this is one of my seven lines in this movie so i gotta make him count (laughs) but the part that i find really incredulous about this opening is that they're in a suburb and nobody finds it incredulous and weird that someone is moving at nighttime like yeah into the house with all the furniture. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a plot point of like, you don't think that's weird, mom? Yeah, they moved in the middle of the night. Cause, and that's not to say there aren't legitimate reasons for people to move at night. It happens for many reasons. Some good, some bad. But I feel that it is rarely a full-on moving truck, people moving in large, heavy furniture under the cover of darkness. Yeah, it just seems like... That works. It's that's usually someone is fleeing for safety mm-hmm. and has a few things and gets into an apartment or what have you. Well, the, the movie also implies that he's a flipper. He's a house flipper. Yeah, it does. It does. Like uh, ahead of in its the, time. In the re- yeah, it's definitely ahead of his time. In the remake, he is uh, a property uh, brother. Const- no, he's, he works in construction, but not specifically on his house. Uh, but I do want to point out here, because this is the first time you see Charlie's house and the cool vampire house uh, Chris Sarandon lives in next door. This is this Disney backlot. It is. From mm-hmm. from the, the, Hollywood, the California location. And just before they filmed this, they filmed uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't seen uh, in so long. Set. That's probably on the plus, right? Something Wicked? Yeah. No, it's not. I just watched it recently and I had to go track it down because it's basically not available anywhere. Really? Yeah. They put Mr. Boogity and Mr. Boogity, the Bride of Boogity, but they were like, nah, brah. The <laughs> the worst part is Boogity is 46 minutes. So that's like a good, like, I'm going to throw this on and not really pay attention to it. Bride of Boogity is a full feature. Ew. Why? I don't know. I believe also that was the Burbs also filmed on the same backlot? I think it might have been. I do not no, know. No, that was Universal. That was Universal. Uh, I just read a really cool article. If you like this movie at all, I highly recommend. There's a LA Magazine article from, I want to say, August. It's all about this movie on its 35th anniversary and how they used Los Angeles to double for sort of anywhere USA. Because mm-hmm. at one point we see on Peter Vincent's uh, eviction notice that he's in Iowa Although it's never really spelled out beyond that. Mm-hmm. But they talked about they were driving all over L.A. and trying to find a Victorian house next to a more modern house. And then finally someone was like, I think that's on the Disney back lot because there's like a bunch of different styles of houses yeah. for shooting. And they were like, no. And then they went and they're like, oh, this is the perfect. This is the dream. Now I'm just picturing it's like the camera pans over one house more and it's the Golden Girls house. 
basically would be that, yeah. It, well, I like that they, they've rather successfully used L.A. to sub in for any town USA, because Nightmare on Elm Street tried to do the same thing, and there's a couple shots that are like, there's palm trees. Like, this is right. clearly L.A. This is not... Right. Uh, Spring... No, Springwood is Scream. Haddonfield is Halloween. Elm Street is in... Is it Spring... No. I have no idea. Is it Springwood? I thought this... Hang on. I'm gonna have to Google. Isn't it just, like, Springfield or something? Oh, I was right. It is Springwood. I thought Springwood was, um... Was Scream, but it is not. It is Friday. It is Nightmare on Elm Street. So, yeah, it's supposed to oh, be... Oh, by the way, this... this Speaking of Boogity and Bride of Boogity, this... The, Jerry's house is the house in both of those films. Shut up. <laughs> Also a fact I learned from that great L.A. Magazine article, uh, I'm going to name the writer because I'm going to borrow liberally from this. I, I did a lot of, they did a lot of the research for me. So uh, Jared Cohen, thank you for doing that. Tweet. I love this other it. detail. Yeah, I will do that. I, the other detail I love is that uh, Jerry is always eating fruit, which is unusual for a vampire movie. And Chris Sarandon decided did some research. Bat, fruit bat. Mostly fruit bat, which I thought was great. Uh, just a really fun detail. They do the apple thing in the remake. He's always eating the apples. I like that because also I always find that like apples are a good like bad guy. It's a common bad guy food. Yeah, it's a good bad guy food. The only thing I quibbled with is there should be at one point a time where the apple clearly has fang marks in it. Do you mean like it's shriveled? Like he sucked the juice out of it? No, no, just... no. Like he takes a, when he takes a bite, it just had like the edges of the bite have like obvious long fangs. Hmm. I, I, I like that. Because, like, when you when I bite an apple, you can kind of see the imprint of my teeth in it. Yeah, for sure. And you can kind of see the my canine teeth. But he has fangs, so it should have a lot more, like, fangy. Well, he's also got the, like, they also got to have a shark mouth going for some of the vampires. Yeah, that's true. The vampire's design in this movie is very wolf-like, but we'll get it. We're getting we'll get all there. over the place. I'm going to try to get back here. Okay. Uh, so here's where we meet Evil Ed, which is... Charlie mostly calls him evil, which is easily a top five weirdest nickname well, I've I ever also heard did, or seen anywhere. In every other, in any other movie like this, they're best friends, and they're not right. in this movie. They seem to, so in the remake, they're explicitly former best friends, and they seem like former best friends here as well, although it's never explicitly stated. Yeah, I kind of want that explicitly done. Uh, fun fact, this actor, Evil Ed, ended up doing gay porn in the 90s for a little bit. Oh, wow. That's, uh... Sounds like perhaps not entirely by choice, well, so I'm sorry to hear that. Well, no, I think he just was like, I think offers just kind of stopped coming, and he was like, well, it was like, I'm, I look, I look great, so let's see what happens. And then I think in the 2000s, late 2010s, he, he got a few more roles. Mm. Uh, his ha hairdo in this movie is uh, from the same barber that a cartoon character goes to when they've stuck their finger in a light socket. Very much so. It's just straight up spikes. And he does this maniacal cackle that is very unsettling. Yeah, uh, just, you know, this sort of hyena-like <laughs> kind of Crypt Keeper almost. Yeah, it's almost RuPaul, um, which is the Crypt Keeper. Um, but Wait, sorry, what? RuPaul's laugh. RuPaul voiced the Crypt Keeper? No, no, RuPaul's laugh, it oh. sounds like the Crypt Keeper. Oh, I was like, no, that's not right. Sorry, I did th that is not true. I don't know who told you that, but that is RuPaul not true. Was the Crypt Keeper. It's like that doesn't even that, that timeline doesn't even make sense. No, that can't be right. Well, apparently also when um whatever when Ed got the script, 
he assumed he would be reading for Charlie and they and then they caught like he like showed up and they're like, all right, so you're going to read for Evil Ed. And he was like, excuse me. And I'm like watching this <laughs> movie. Brutal. I'm like, oh, buddy. No, you're stealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree, but also oofa doof. Yeah. Like, oh, like, oh, honeybee. That is you are not a Charlie. The Charlie they got is barely a Charlie. <laughs> you were gonna. You are a great s- best friend character. <laughs> I uh, I also kept thinking uh, this is like a reference, probably only for you. But isn't one of the songs in the Evil Dead musical? Isn't one of the zombies Evil Eddie? Well, his, his the character is Eddie, her right. boyfriend. But then he's Annie's evil boyfriend. Eddie. Then he does a song called uh, Bit Part Demon, where he says, "It's me, Evil Eddie." Oh, okay. He, the, Evil Eddie, I feel like I remember being sung in the soundtrack to that. It's and me. Every time. Evil Eddie. Yeah, yeah, every, <laughs> exactly. Every time that the, it got said, I was like, I had that stuck in my head for 10 seconds I mean, or so. I'll see your, I'll see your quote unquote deep cut and raisy one that uh, Jerry, what's his last name? The vampire? Dandridge. Jerry Dandridge is uh, married to the actress who originated the role of the baker's wife in Into the Woods. <laughs> Oh, interesting. And also was Jack Skellington. Chris Sarandon has a really... He's also Humperdinck from Princess yeah. Bride, which we should say. And the but, police uh, detective he, from Child's Play. He has a brief uh, cameo in the remake. Oh, fun. Is he like yeah. in the audience at the magic show? No, it's better than that. Okay. But I don't want... That's fine. You should watch it. I don't want to give it away. You should watch it. It's it's weird to recommend you watch it like a week after you have just watched this original one, but I, it is a very good movie and it, it's worth your time. Anyway, there's a pretty lady next door who may or may not be a prostitute. It seems well, it, like maybe... It's later confirmed she is okay. on the news report. Okay. I, I, I missed that detail. Um, So he watches... Charlie watches her go in the house and then later hears a scream and doesn't call the cops then but calls them like a day later basically well, he calls them for the second lady oh right 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 and okay. also i gotta give this movie props that um he goes inside and he's like mom have you seen the new neighbor and she's like no i haven't but he's got a carpenter who lives with him with my luck he's probably a gay man and like it w- there was no slur it wasn't yeah. it wasn't derogatory or mean or a joke yeah it was just I'm a down, I'm I'm a hard luck mom, and I was like, "Good for well, you, movie." It is the established opinion of this podcast that all immortal beings are bisexual. Yeah. Also, Chris Sarandon <laughs> in this movie, you would be a hundred percent plays for both teams. Oh, this movie explicitly there's bisexual overtones because at least I, I don't know everybody's orientation, but uh, Jerry certainly seems bisexual. His compatriot is it is at least batting for one team because he and jerry it seems like are having all sorts of oh, yeah. things it seems happening like they're next playing door. hide the stake yeah hide the stake exactly uh there's uh, actually a bit of this and one of the things i read doing research for this that uh there's the scene where he's like dressing his hand wound later mm-hmm. and the director was like okay kneel down while you do this part and the guy was like what and he's like just kneel down while you do this part and he's like all right and then later he saw the movie and he was like haul you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> well later there's a scene they're on the stairs chris serena comes up behind him and like seductively like slides his oh, arm yeah. around him and like leans on, and like those are acting choices i make in things right right again all immortal beings are bisexual. I will not hear arguments to the contrary. If you're going to live that or, long, you're not going to limit yourself. Right, right. And frankly, bisexual might not be a wide enough range. It might be 
just sexual period yeah, they're, they're pansexual what is your what sexual? are you <laughs> but but I, pansexual not even it's it's a bigger it's a bigger <laughs> field than that they do they'll do anything robot sure <laughs> really good looking tree why not fish monster from a lagoon <laughs> as long as it can give consent yes <laughs> as long as it understands it needs to be able to understand and give consent <laughs> I do really like this this sequence at the the diner because it feels like it's a fifties diner for some reason or another. Yeah, but, maybe it's one uh, of those like throwback diners. Did were they around? Yeah, these? I mean, I I feel like it's not even necessarily throwback. It could just be old, you know. <laughs> okay, so it's not purposely themed like a nifty fifty. Yes, <laughs> right. Is it a chain? It's not Is it your... a chain or it's just something near us. I I don't know because I always like cheeseburger cheeseburger is the same vibe and that is at least a multiple state chain where it's like you know chrome and uh, formica and and milkshakes in the little the red sleeve thing. the red glitter seats yeah yeah but yeah I don't know if nifty fifties was local or nationwide but there the, Johnny Rockets is the same deal uh-huh, yeah and that's a chain. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the perhaps the Downingtown only reference. But yeah, I feel like this might just be an old diner that happens to have like been maintained that it wasn't. It's not a themed attraction. It's just actually from the fifties. But they're you know, they're talking about what's happening in the town, and Evil Ed's like they had their heads chopped off, <laughs> which I would be immediately calling the police. Like I think this might be the murderer. Well, so yeah, the girlfriend comes in and starts to talk to him at the diner and like apologize, and they're having a conversation, and then the TV comes on and is like, "A woman was murdered last night." Details at eleven, and he understandably gets distracted and like wanders over to the TV. And she gets so angry at him that she takes a burger out of someone's hand and smashes it into his face. And I was like, can we get some consistency on the girlfriend? Yes. Just a it's dime's very, worth of consistency, odd. please. It's it's horrifically underwritten. Yeah. Evil Ed, by the way, Tony nominated. That's right. For the human comedy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love the burger smash in the face. It almost looks like um, it turns into sloppy, like sloppy Joe. Joe. It's clearly yeah, a burger when yeah. she picks it up and then it becomes a sloppy yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah. Or uh the I forget which state in the Midwest does this, but it's called a loose meat sandwich and it's like a sloppy Joe without that sauce. Is not the way it's, it's not a good name. Don't call it it's that. It's just not a good name. Loose meat sounds yeah. like a weird <laughs> like stripper name. <laughs> I always think it sounds like a horrific discount bin at a third-rate grocer. <laughs> the loose meat if you bin. Give me a, if you give me $3.50, I'll let you put on a scuba suit and dive into the loose meat bin. Anything you can pull out is yours to keep. You get, you get an elf, you get like a shoulder-length rubber glove, and you just have to scoop out what you want and put it on the scale. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Anything from the loose meat bin rings up at dollar ninety nine. I was picturing also like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, loose meat. And then it's like, <laughs> <laughs> loose meat is a cover band of meatloaf that has a very specific <laughs> thing, and I don't know what the specific thing I think, is. I think loose meat would be like they would do it all in the style of like yacht rock. They would do oh, covers yeah. as like yacht rock. I was thinking like, is it maybe classical music? Oh, like, like a postmodern jukebox kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you have like orchestral versions of "Bad Out of Hell," maybe. 
Maybe. Which honestly, I would go see. I mean, I will 100% will, will, and I have time for that. Or maybe Lucy I had, is the name of I, the strip club. <laughs> Not the stripper. That sounds, that sounds a little misogynistic. I feel that that's I, too much. You're assuming it's a ladies strip club. Okay, well then it's whatever the equivalent is against men. It's like too it's too yucky. It's too it's too yucky. Loose me a hundred percent would be the like the dong swinging strip club. <laughs> I like I, I I feel like Meatloaf cover band is I will keep pondering what the perfect <laughs> instrumentation it is, but it's it's a meatloaf cover band of some sort. Um Moral of the story, don't call it a don't Change the name from a loose meat sandwich. That's just <laughs> that's not. The I look. believe it's I believe it's specific to a, a place called Made Right, like M A I D dash R I T E is the the restaurant okay. that originated the loose meat sandwich. So it is technically a Made Right loose meat loose meat sandwich. Uh, that's not much better. A Made Right loose meat? No. Yes, <laughs> it's what it is. It's a made right loose meat sandwich. I'm not saying anything about it. I've never had one. It might be delicious. I'm sure it's delicious. But it but is the definitely name just loose hamburger. Inspire. <laughs> I also. It just seems like it's double I, drink Tuesday. Loose here. meat. Like, <laughs> it's drink ticket Tuesday. The loose meat. Please welcome opening tonight's show. Loose meats. Iowa's number one meatloaf cover band. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's a bunch of surfers doing meatloaf covers like hang loose. Right? Oh, They're so like it's real like, pothead stoner like, surfers. Is it like sixties like beach style? Like it sounds. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. How the beach yes, boys would do surf rock meatloaf. I love it. There That's what go. it is. The, all their shirts. It's just say, like hang there's a very meat. specific. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a no. The shirt is a meatloaf surfing on a surfboard like a slice of meatloaf and then it's a guy on the beach yelling hang loose like no like a whole meatloaf okay and then a guy on the beach is yelling hang loose meat <laughs> anyway we should get somewhat back on topic um he so he starts, he's, he's, he's spying on the next door neighbor he's peeping he's window peeping and i'm not about that he's just a peeping tom yeah and the neighbor shows up and gets taken upstairs by Chris Sarandon and then Chris Sarandon sees that he's watching and sort of performs for him a little bit. Well, so there's also the the other weird thing that he's looking through binoculars at the window and he sees that Chris Sarandon has claws and he puts the binoculars down and like leans in and I was like, "Hey buddy, the binoculars help you see close up." Right. Keep those up. <laughs> There's also quite an assortment of snacks on the floor, which implies that he's been doing this for, I don't know, three or four hours, which seems insane to me that he's on a proper stakeout. Yeah, I feel like I needed more like um, like Mountain Dew cans or yeah, or like a pot of Jolt's coffee. Jolt's Cola. Jolt, yeah. Was that a thing then? I feel like Jolt is older than you think. That's probably. I just assumed it was like a late 90s thing. I know that it was around for the caffeine wars of the late 90s. Oh, back. I remember... There was a time when we weren't allowed to drink Mountain Dew because there was too much caffeine in it. I don't think I ever got that restriction. That uh-huh. might have been for the ADD boy. Which ironic <laughs> because you should I, sh- I should have been drinking more caffeine to balance yes. my stupid brain. <laughs> yeah. Plot yeah, twist. Yeah, we used to we used to get Mountain Dew and no, it wasn't even Mountain Dew. It was Surge. Oh, that's right. There was Surge. 
it was Surge and Jolt Cola, and then we would play Goldeneye until four in the morning and eat just all of the candy. Yeah, and Cheetos probably. It's a it's a proper miracle I don't have diabetes from all these late night <laughs> or a heart drinking candy eating. Yeah, either or. And the thing is, now I don't even really like caffeine. Like it's a rare occurrence when I am seeking out that. Oh, I still like caffeine, and I have a bad sweet yeah, tooth. That I have. Anyway, um, there's a really great shot where Chris Sarandon sort of like slowly draws the curtain over the window that I think is really, really wonderful. Yeah. And I also think this movie would have been, would have not felt yucky if the, if the characters had all been established as 18 instead of establishing that they're 17. Oh, yeah. No, totally agree. The part later where he seduces. I hate it. Is really uncomfortable. Because she's, yeah. they're 17. And I was like, why can't the movie just in the beginning be like, I just turned 18 in the beginning of senior year or like whatever. Or make it more implied as to what's happening there. Because if he's just biting her as a vampire, it's less yucky to me. Oh, than he is not doing, doing just that. Well, I, I know that. That's what I think is happening. But I'm saying they could explain that. Yes. Uh, he also puts his hand up for hoo-ha on the dance floor, so... Yeah, yeah, it's quite uncomfortable. Um, but there's uh, a shot of Charlie, like, snapping awake after this happens, and he is really acting for the cheap seats. Oh, he doesn't a- snap awake, he runs to his mom. To wake oh, her she... Up. That's right. That's who... Uh, sorry. I just have wake up written in my notes. Charlie wakes up his mom and she's got like an eye mask on and she's doing a real like, what? What's happening here? And it's like a lot of arms swinging. A lot, well, and I get it. They costumed her to look like a, a cartoon character sleeping. No, she looks like the big bad wolf. <laughs> no, I like, like when the big bad wolf is pretending to be the grandma and little red riding hood is like, what big teeth you have. That's what she's dressed as. It's like a pink a, bonnet. I'm, my mind went to like a miss piggy. Like this is how I imagine Miss Piggy sleeps, like in a full satin nightgown with the with the mask yeah. and the thing, with a house coat over it. Uh-huh. Like she's got this whole thing on. But and I get it. This woman does not get much to do in this movie. So hey, if you're going to be on camera, you better make the most of it, or else you're not going to get you know in the movie. But she is. Can you really, imagine being really this woman? And then they remake the movie and cast friggin' Tony Collette and give her a real <laughs> role. And you're like, yeah, what the hell? I have an MFA, motherfucker. <laughs> There's a whole. There's a whole plot in the remake about the Colin Farrell character you think is going to try to seduce Tony Collette, which makes sense. Like they're the adults. He's trying to get at the kid. Yeah. Well, in this movie, they have they have Chris Sarandon get in the house or whatever, but they establish the single mom thing and then don't do anything with it. Like he could he could definitely do like a kiss on the hand that would make this lady's heart go a flutter. Uh-huh. And then Charlie later is like, mom, he's a vampire. And she's like, come on. He kissed my hand. He didn't bite it. There, yeah. Yes, exactly. But I just love her. She sits up. She, it's like almost like don't wake daddy. That <laughs> game from when we were kids. It's like, she snaps away. What? What's her, happening here? Her sleeping cap flies across the room. Yes, it does. That's it's exactly what happens. Uh, and then we got a cool bat transition with Sarandon, which I really, I, I like that a lot. I thought it looked neat. Also, somehow he has killed this woman, put her in a plastic bag, and gotten her into the car in maybe five minutes. Yeah. Well, he's a quick drainer, this vampire. Apparently. And I also think it's weird that his his sort of Renfield character doesn't do all that much to help him with this kind of work, which well, I feel like would be Renfield the, work. the body into the, tr- into the car. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But I feel like... I feel like in a normal vampire movie, Renfield would be also the one who drives the car away and leaves 
Isn't yeah. Chris Sarandon the one that drives the car? Yeah. I think I don't remember who explicitly drives the car, but I agree that I think well, I mean, maybe they're equal cuz they're lovers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So the mom's yelling and we see him eating the apple and he like throws the apple in the yard where Charlie is hiding and and then Charlie goes running in the house and so Chris Sarandon knows he's being watched. Of course, the mom doesn't believe. And there's a really nice edit where the mom is like, what? And it cut hard cuts right to the girlfriend also going, what? As if he's like, I, it's that was clever, a clever way to jump without having the like trope of, you know, cutting to the end of the conversation. Like it felt like a better use of that. Right. And it also saves us from having to watch two instances of him explaining that my neighbor's a vampire. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're both having the same reaction. Great. This is perfect. Yeah. Um. Also, this is another thing that happens a lot in movies, and I feel like it, I mean, if me personally, I wouldn't do it this way, but he calls the police to say, like, um, my neighbor murdered someone, and he is with the police when they go to investigate. Yeah, this, if this is his choice, he is the dumbest human being on the face a- of the planet. Absolutely. Like, keep any of your cards close to the vest. But he, he, he like, goes with the cops so he can, like, expl- he can, like, poke around the house. Yeah, Art Evans is the cop, and uh, we've seen him on the show previously in Tough Turf. He's also in Die Hard 2 and uh, CB4, the uh, Chris Rock movie. Mm. Uh, but he's, he's like, you know, examining, looking around, not seeing anything, of course. And then Charlie is like, go look in the basement. That's where he keeps his coffin. And the guy immediately is like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Which is, I think, the appropriate reaction. And I, agree. I, I really enjoyed. Charlie's an idiot. Yeah, he's just, like, blundering straight into the vampire's lair, blowing... Like, you, you already know that the vampire knows that he's there because he saw him, but now it's like, not only do you know my secret, you're trying to get me killed. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he runs away to Evil Ed's. Where they establish that they're not I, friends. Right. And he pays him for his assistance, and Ed's, Ed's doing a lot of cackling. And I just... Like, from a standpoint of... <laughs> You're making this movie. You got to watch like 50 takes of these cackles over the course of a shoot. It's mm-hmm. just, why is this what you're writing? He's the worst. Well, also, again, uh, Evil Ed thought he was a Charlie type. Just think about that right. with every cackle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Uh, but this part, this part, I think, rules. This is, I think, the best sequence of the movie because we spend five minutes where Ed is like, here are the rules. And then the movie follows the rules. And it, there's no new magic power. There's no new thing we don't know about. There's not like making it up as you go along. It's like I am going to tell you the rules, and then we will follow them. And it does the this this universe uses the invitation rule, which is like one of my favorites in in the world of vampires. Yeah, I think that is honestly the best part of vampire lore, where you're playing with stuff like that, and. Uh, Mild, mild, mild spoilers for Bronx versus Vampires, which I recommend you all check out on Netflix. It's really fun, very Monster Squad vibes. But there's a thing they set up in that movie and then they don't pay off where a person buys an apartment building, a a vampire buys an apartment building. And I'm like, oh, man, that's such a brilliant idea. It's now that because they even say like, well, now I can get in his house anytime I want. And I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. Yeah. And they don't pay it off. And I was really disappointed that they oh don't pay that off. But I thought that was a genius idea. So I love the invitation rule. I think I'm with you. I think it's one of the mo- more interesting parts of what makes va- it's what makes vampires more interesting than any other monster. Because it, it's also like a great line of practical line of defense for humans. Right. 
And also it opens up so many possibilities for how are they going to trick their way into the house, whether it's, you know, seducing the mom or finding some loophole or... Because isn't it, isn't it an episode of Buffy where I want to say Dawn says like, like if there's a vampire at the door and Dawn's like, why don't you come in here and say that to my face? And they're like, yes. you idiot. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. They play with that a little more. Sorry to talk about the remake so much, but they play with that a little more. Um he has a delivery person's uniform. Mm. So, and it's, that's great. Hey, I got this for you. And it's like, yeah, okay, come in here. So I, I, yeah, I love that rule. I think it's interesting. I also, I wish this movie played with it better because they're like, give you the rule. And then literally three seconds later, Chris Sarandon has been invited in the house by the mom. Yeah. It would be much more fun if uh, the kid was playing with that of, Mom, you can't let this guy in. Like, oh, he's fine. He's very charming. What I what I wish this scene had been would have been Chris, uh, Charlie's walking home from Evil Ed's. Mom and Chris Sarandon are on the front porch. So yes. this whole scene happens on the front porch, but there's no mention of being invited inside. And then later that night, you f- he finds out that your mom invited me in like before you got here. So he thinks he's yes. safe the whole time. Like. At the at the door, taunting him like, "You can't get me!" Blah 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 blah. And then, whoom! I think that would have been a better use of this, or even better. He like whips out a tape recorder, and it's the mom being like, "Why don't you come in for a drink?" And him being like, "Oh no, I can't right now." I like that too. That's great. Also, yeah, great use of like a talk man or talk boy. Yes, a talk boy. Yes. But the real thing I have a problem with here is that the mom doesn't know that he is a. Uh, a weird vampire from the fact that when she offers him a drink at eight or 9 PM or whatever this is, his, he says, sure. How about a bloody Mary? Maybe she's drinking one too. Maybe she offered a bloody Mary. You can't be drinking eight bloody Marys after 8 PM. I'm sorry. That is past the time way past. the Mary. I love a bloody Bloody Mary. Mary, The bloody Mary window ends at two 45, two 45. Yes. After two 45, you are past the bloody Mary times. I don't know. Bloody Mary. A Bloody Mary is from 9 a.m. until 2:45 a.m. Unless you're in an airport, in which case you can drink anything you want. There are no rules on an airport or in airplanes. I I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that rule. I love a Bloody Mary. I would drink. You drink Bloody Marys at night. I would. You have or who you would? I don't know that I have. I mean, Uh, you haven't because it's a weird thing to do. I mean, I will say I might have in the early days of this quarantine. Which, like, feels like, again, like the airport airplane rule. <laughs> like there's Yes, exactly. It's an Outback Steakhouse in here. No rules just right. Yeah. Did we Google that to yeah, see that's if that's a really drink. their slogan? Because I feel like that's a reference we say a lot on this show. It was it was a com- ad campaign of theirs in the 90s okay. for a significant amount of time. Yeah, no, I, I would bet uh, a, a digit on that, like a finger. I would happily wager a finger that that's an actual Outback slogan. Uh. I do love Chris Sarandon here does play around a bit with the invitation business. Like I know that, you know, that I know in in a way without being Uh as on the nose as that. Uh, I I do like that. He's also, uh, he's got a real Mark Ruffalo look and vibe to him. Yeah, I totally agree with that. He's, he's definitely sort of a Ruffalo-esque Kind of boyish, but still very mature and handsome looking. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie gets uh, awakened by the such a clatter that happens on his roof. Well, he also, um, there's also this squeaking, scratching, squeaking that he hears, Mm -hmm. and it is identical to, uh, I don't know if you were ever, if you ever noticed this, but mom and dad 
hang wreaths on the front windows of our house because mm-hmm. we were white. Um, and <laughs> I was home alone once, uh, pr- like a- between re- after rehearsal or something. And I just kept hearing this scratching squeak and I didn't know what it was. And it sounds like it's like, it's, it's unnerving. Cause it sounds like this, yeah, like someone's yeah. trying to get in and it's just the wire of the wire, the little floral <laughs> wire that holds the wreath in place just had the tail and it was scraping uh-huh. against the window. And that's as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's what the sound is. <laughs> that's awesome. There's a really creepy bit of business where he's, uh, Charlie's like searching the house for him and he's just standing above the mom's bed. Mm-hmm. And then he gets his way into Charlie's room and he like picks him up by the throat and Charlie's like, you know, thrashing around for his life and he kicks out for some reason. Charlie has a pachinko machine. Yeah. It's the, yeah. The thing where you pull the, pull the plunger and the marble flies up and does the plinko. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pachinko. It's a, it's a huge, huge game in Japan. Oh, I didn't realize he throws him into a into the closet door after being like quiet. We wouldn't want to wake your mother, which like brah. And then there's some really excellent tension with the window. Yeah, he's like trying to get to it, and then Sarandon opens it and is just pushes him, pushes him, pushes him until he's dangling out the window. And he basically gives him the classic bad guy deal of you forget about me, I'll forget about you. We'll both go on our way. And Charlie's like seemingly going along with it, and I'm like. My dude, this is not real. This agreement has never been real. There's no power in it for him. Well, like, But I mean, like, I feel like if I'm in Charlie's position and I'm being dangled out the window, what does he have to gain by telling me? Like, he already has me in a position to kill me. Right. But I feel like what would happen normally for real in this conversation is you'd be like, all right, I won't tell anybody. And then he lets him go out the window <laughs> and he's like, I know you're dead now. But why bother with the with the th- I mean, what is he? I'm, he is because he is he, a queer man. So he does because, love the theatrics and the drama. And also, as we said, he is omnisexual because he's just like trying out different things. Maybe he wants to have someone beg for their life. Maybe that does it for him at this stage. He's not got Maybe, a again, lot of things teenager. that he hasn't done yet. Yeah. Although, you know what's crazy? The three actors in this movie are 25, 25, and 28. The, the three teenagers. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What, that they're all that old? Yeah, they don't look that old. No, these are very young looking people. It's one of the few times where I'm like, you definitely cast people who are way too old, but I can't tell. Evil Ed especially has a very young. He looks like a child. He's 25. I know. I know. Yeah. He looks super young. Uh, the This is resolved by Charlie grabbing a pencil and staking him through the hand. And it's awesome looking. It's so cool. I will say there's some weirdness because so he's got his hand on Charlie's throat choking him out the window charlie stabs him with the pencil and he kind of recoils and then we see the palm side of his hand and there's i don't know eight inches of pencil sticking out so (laughs) how did that happen i thought he stabbed him in the other hand no no he stabs him in the hand holding i think it's the hand holding it maybe i misreading, but i thought it was that hand yeah i thought he stabbed him in the hand that was was holding the windowsill it could be, but either way. And some but he does a really effects. Yeah, yeah, he pulls the pencil out of his hand. It's it's really gnarly looking. And then um this is the scene you were talking about where he was on his knees, Renfield's on his knees bandaging his hand. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, I think that's not the only thing you're going to do there, huh?" Uh-huh. 
And he calls Charlie and he's like, hey, I'm going to kill you just so you know. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Charlie, you dumbass. You can't like you need to have your attack plan and execute. Like you can't let the vampire know, you know. Right, right. You have to have like come up with all of your schemes and all of your backup schemes and your side schemes for mm-hmm. this. You need to home alone trap your house like Nancy. Right. Uh, and and the scene with the the hand stuff is uh, is also where we see Let's, the very uh, hand bandaging stuff. Let's be clear that there's no hand stuff. <laughs> we did not see the hand stuff. I presume I that there assume, was hand stuff. I assume there was some hand stuff and some other stuff going on. Um, but the werewolf designs are, or sorry, the vampire designs are extremely werewolfy. Yeah, they are. They have a, a more primal look to them. Like they have sort of a sharky mouth. Almost yeah. like, because isn't that the same vampire design from 30 Days of Night? The 30 Days of Night vampires are shark toothy, yeah. And uh, and Supernatural, I think, also has like a sharky vampire. They do, yeah. The f- I can't remember if that's all the Supernatural vampires or just some. Yeah, I mean, I've, they've only, I've only, I stopped watching that show, but they've done vampires a couple times. So he has really bad dreams, and then he gets woken up by a phone call, and there's a cool like crash zoom in on the, the Charlie realizing that it's... Uh, Chris Randon. Jerry on the phone. Yeah. Doing hand stuff with Renfield. Right, right. Uh, so we decide, oh, we got to get help. We got to go to Peter Vincent. Uh, and this is the the first, like, sort of in the movie appearance of Roddy McDowell. Yeah. I, I really love that they filmed so many B-movie scenes. Cause yeah. Because a lot of them feature Roddy McDowell in them. Right. Um, I think almost all of them, I, I would wager that all of them are filmed for this movie, but I'll cover my bases and say almost all of them. Are I don't think the, the last one, the octopus person, I think that one was just old footage, but um, yeah. And this was the thing that I kind of, I thought this was a weird choice for a 17 year old to be like, I'm going to go to the movies, like the, the horror, like it seemed weird that the 17 year old would think that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I needed someone else to, like, throw that idea. Like, Evil Ed, I think, I thought should have been like, what are you going to do? Go to Peter Vincent? Yes, and exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great idea. But to come up with it on yeah, his it, own feels sort of monster, like, hey, army guys. Yes. Yeah. From Monster Squad. Yeah. In the in the remake, he is explicitly calling himself a vampire hunter. So it's like, okay, well, I'll go to the vampire hunter. Okay. Yeah. So. There's an I hour love left this- in this movie, by the way. Yeah, it, it it I don't think it's poorly paced, but it puts the sort of act breaks in odd parts. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. I, like I I like this movie as with all movies ever. Basically, you could trim five minutes or so from it without losing too much. I think, you but could I think trim about ten at least off of this one. But I don't find that it's like tedious. I don't think that it drags. It's just that weird. That like this feels like end of act two, and it's not. I think that to me is why it sort of drags that like my brain is used to like, okay, at this point in the movie, there should be about this much movie left. And I, right. uh, I like checked because I was like, what is it like 30, 30 minutes left, maybe 40. And I was like, oh no, right. there's a full hour left. Right. It's really almost a four act movie. It is. Uh, but this part here is Charlie goes to the television studio where we find out Peter Vincent's just been fired. And Roddy McDowell really liked this character. He was like really excited to do the sequel and he wanted to do a third one. It just never came together. But he came up with the idea that the background for his character is that he kind of like toured the country doing this horror host thing. So like it wasn't syndicated. He would go for a while and then get fired and go to the next city. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. 
And so he's got this big box of all of his props and the bits plant. and bobs. You know, and when you get fired, you get the box with your yeah. plant in it. You box of the plant. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, uh, the long, uh, nameplate is always sticking out. <laughs> oh, of the box yeah, you're too. right. It's it, the, the loaf of bread style nameplate. Uh-huh. But he, is I love this bit here where Roddy McDowell quickly figures out like, oh, I have an easy mark here and I'm going to soak him because <laughs> the kid is like going on and on about, you know, he's like, oh, do you want an autograph? And he realizes this kid wants to pay him money. And so suddenly he's a lot more interested. I just love that stuff. I think I, I have a soft spot for it because I think uh, the D and D character that I play <laughs> when I play D and D is like very Roddy McDowell esque, like washed up has been who has still like it's one hundred percent confidence and four percent talent. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's sort of the sweet spot, and I love characters like this. He's almost reminds me of uh, more contemporary the Professor in Harry Potter. Um, Dumbledore? Oh no, Lockhart. no, no! He's the he. he Yes, except, Gilderoy Lockhart. Except yeah. Harry Potter's canceled. All right. Well, <laughs> I still think it's a useful reference tool for I'm, people. Well, to we have. should specify also that J.K. Rowling. Is Harry a trash Potter monster. isn't canceled. J.K. Rowling is a trash monster. But she still touched. Like you can't. I don't. I already that, own. I already. I already own the books. It's. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna just like the money that was spent on me as a child in Harry Potter merch probably bought her a summer home, but like. I'm not going to throw it away and like just like burn it, but she is a garbage monster. And, uh, those, those whole, the whole thing's been tainted now. Yeah. But again, like, you know, sorry, that's too woke. (laughs) Once you put stuff out into the world, you don't own it anymore. So it's, yeah, but there's also the, I also think I do. All I'm saying is I think I can reference Gilderoy Lockhart. It doesn't put money in her pocket. And I'm just, that's all I mean. I was like, let's also follow it up by saying that JK Rowling is canceled, that she's a garbage monster. Yeah, she sucks. Trans rights are human rights. Go fuck yourself. I'm there. I'm on the team. Yeah. I, I, you too, fucking Hagrid and, and what's-his-nuts from the crimes of Skimbleshanks. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this for too long, but what really, really pisses me off is when the guy who played, Robbie Coltrane, the actor who played, it talks about like, oh, these kids wouldn't win a war. You didn't fight in World War II. You are not that old. You no. cannot do that. <laughs> what is he, 50? Like... No, he's he's old. He's like seventy, but still, like World World War Two was was fought ended in nineteen forty two. It was <laughs> seventy years ago or nineteen forty five. Excuse me, but like, come on, like you weren't involved in that. No, you you can't not. claim it. Our grandfather is ninety and he wasn't involved in it. And he was like, he was, he, alive, was then. he he was too young. He's ninety. <laughs> this is that has nothing to do with this movie. I just I cannot stand when people like take take claim to something like that and have absolutely no no concrete reason for doing so it's like you don't you cannot make that claim you have you have no connection to that i mean eddie redmayne also played a trans woman and then is now like well jk rowling i'm like fuck you you can't you don't get to do both go sit and spin anyway sorry that's not what we're here to talk about it's fine (laughs) yeah don't be too woke we'll get another nasty review uh there is a delightfully, delightfully designed 80s scooter right right after this bit. <laughs> yeah, I I wanted a little more out of that scooter. <laughs> I it's it's on screen for like 30 seconds and I was like, 
oh man, this dope scooter better figure into the end of this movie. And then it's never on screen again. We had a scooter take an Uber out of the movie, which is unconscionable. Yeah, someone put, I think mom picked up, saw the scooter on her lawn, was like, well, I got to get this out of the rain. And she picked it up, put it in the trunk of the Uber, and then got in and they both left. (laughs) She slapped the trunk twice. (laughs) All right, Uh off you go. See you later. Did I'll I take it to the storage bin. <laughs> I the Uber I took with the broken trunk, and I hit my boyfriend in the face with it. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. You, I think you, I think you may have told that story on the podcast. Probably. If not, tweet at us, and I'll tell it next time. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Charlie is upstairs doing some candlelit craft work. Yeah. All of a sudden, his room is. F- is full it's like a it's it's a it's a store you'd find in salem massachusetts yes it's all uh, garlic and crosses and he's furiously whittling uh, steaks yeah yeah it's a weird italian grandmother kitchen just garlic strung about garlic and crosses That would be funny. Right? Like, oh man, oh, what if, oh, no one has ever done a vampire movie where like a bunch of Nonas are the <laughs> the, the vampire slayers, but that would be so logical. Nona. Nona. Yeah. Is there, is there a, is Nono? Is the male? Is there a? I guess. Nono and Papa. But I specifically. Vampire slayers. I, I specifically want it to be Nonas. It's just a bunch of Italian grandmothers and like They're, the vampires they're back come of their in. spoons. No, it's they pull the the cross. Oh, the wooden spoon's good too. But I want them like pulling a cross off the wall and like pulling a protective sleeve off, and it's actually a huge spear or a spike. Or no, a I'm picturing. Stake, I'm picturing she slaps the the vampire's hand with the wooden spoon, and when he like, she flips it around and it's sharp, and she gets him in the chest. <laughs> yeah, that would rule. I would. I would totally watch grandmas versus versus vampires. They feed. They feed a, a vampire some some gravy and he starts choking and they're like if that's a the garlic <laughs> then he's like his throat's opening up yeah the hot hot there's just spaghetti pouring out of his throat <laughs> yeah you have a spicy meatball <laughs> i love this uh that's our new that's our somebody in hollywood give us a call give us, known as give vampire- us money please <laughs> Known as V Vampires. That's the sequel to Bronx vs. Vampires. Next it's Little Hulu- Italy. I was going to say next Huluween. Look for Nona. Yes. Nona V Vampire. I love that idea. It's like the Van Helsing line. Ever like Van Helsing got all the credit, but the real the real well, hero was Nona. The, yeah, it's it's a it's passed down from Van Helsing to Van Helsing through the Nonas, not through. I thought that him that, everything you know. he knows. Do I get the credit? <laughs> Do I get a phone call? Not even on my birthday. <laughs> you forget about me. <laughs> oh, and then and then the big reveal is that like the lead Nona, who's been passing down all the secrets, actually is a vampire. But she like is like a, a like a vampire? vegetarian. She's like a, she's like a vegetarian vampire. So she's like undead and un- you know, can't really be killed. But they like mix cow's blood into her spaghetti <laughs> instead of thread sauce, so she can stay alive and like pass down the secrets. Oh, I would see alternative. I was thinking it's it's the it's the it's the papa. The very oh. first was her husband. That's why. Oh, she learned, that's cool. That's why she yeah. learned how to kill vampires because because of my husband. <laughs> Does, she crosses herself. <laughs> she crosses yes, herself yes. and then does the chef kiss. My Peter, he was a vampire. <laughs> my Vincenzo. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's genius. I love this. We'll workshop this offline. Next episode, expect a full treatment. (laughs) At some point, you're going to get a a radio play that's the known as vampires. (laughs) And it's just you and me doing all the parts and doing that horrendous, horrendous Italian accent. accent. Yes, (laughs) that horrendous accent as the women who are the Nonas. The Nonas. The League of Extraordinary Nonas. The monster squad but octogenarians yes it combines the golden girls my love and horror movies my other love i'm into this i think you got i think that's something yeah i, I really do think that's something it's never been done before it that is for it. certain there has not been an old people someone movie called that betty white a scary movie <laughs> put her in a bubble so we can use her in betty two white chloris leachman uh who else we got we're going to have to go to the, the, the deep well of old lady actresses. <laughs> She's not Italian, but Jennifer Lewis. I also want her in this movie. Maybe Elizabeth Shue is in there, too. Maybe we just shoehorn all of our things that we like <laughs> into this. She's she's the the wife of current Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to learn of the secrets. <laughs> I already know your gravy recipe, Nona. Slaps the hand. <laughs> no. None of that secret. The real secrets. She like and she pulls out no, no the rest. She grabs the fri- the side of the fridge and pulls it, and the whole fridge opens up, and it's just a secret door to like a back room. <laughs> I was thinking that she takes down this like book that looks like it's recipes, and she opens it, and inside it's just like explicit instructions for how to kill a vampire. But they're on like handwritten little like different sizes of paper, that, and she's yeah, even things like out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the cold oh, open I'm, is someone like tries to kill a vampire with a nona recipe and they're like i you forgot to give me this ingredient she's like i'm gonna give all my secrets <laughs> you have to sprinkle the steak with the holy water <laughs> well that's not in the recipe but that's what i do <laughs> you don't watch nona is it my is it my secret you don't watch nona you call me on my birthday baby you get the secret <laughs> Oh, Mamma Mia. Anyway. All right, this movie. Yeah, right. We have a movie we're talking about here, I think. We do. It's called The League Uh, of Extraordinary (laughs) Notice. The League of Extraordinary Notice. Somebody out there Photoshop that, would you please? (laughs) That's that's truly delightful. Uh, Amy, Amy, the girlfriend, she she uh, she talks him down. From like making stakes and going to kill the neighbor, and uh, it's like we'll get Peter Vincent on the case, and he's like, "I tried," and she's like, "No, we'll actually go get him." And so they go, and they say they'll pay him. And this is what you alluded to earlier. As soon as they mention money, he's like, "Oh, yeah." And she goes, "I have a fifty dollars savings bond," and I was like, "Remember savings bonds? Five hundred? Is it five hundred? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember savings bonds? Yeah, when that seemed like a useful thing to do with your money." That's like twelve hundred bucks in today's money, BT Dubs. I did the uh, the quick check. Yeah, I was gonna say because that's the they mature. No, no, no. Five hundred dollars in eighty five is twelve hundred bucks now. So not a bad uh, payday. Oh. And that's uh, but again, they it uh, that still has time to mature that savings bond. So that could be like fifteen hundred dollars. I don't. I think they were capped. Were they? Yeah, there was a limit on how much it would earn over its. Value. Well, yeah, but I mean, like in in today's money, it would be like fifteen hundred dollars. By the time it matured. 
I'm saying $500 is worth 1200 Yes, and I'm saying by the time that 500 matured, like the saving, right? So Th- that's the thing. So, Those are the things so that you're, mature, you're, right? so you, yes, but you're, I think you are, so you would buy a $500 savings bond for less than $500, I thought. No, I don't think so. I think you okay. pay that and then it, it, there's, it makes more money. Okay. I thought it was the other way, but I, I'd really, you can put the tweets away. It is not relevant to either of our lives. We'll just move on and not know who's right. But he does. He he decides like, oh, we're gonna do a vampire test. So he calls up Jerry. Yeah, they call and, him and warn him. Yeah, and I was like, guys. Well, they think their friend is having a psychotic episode, which, to be fair, is not a crazy reaction to your friend covering his windows with garlic and crosses and making a lot of steaks. Unless he's trying to be a Nona. Yes, but he's not. He's Charlie. So, but the, I think they're to like, me, to me, the second I call a guy, I'm like, "Hey, our friend thinks you're a vampire. Can we do a, a test to show him you're not?" And the second he's like, uh, "No, you can't touch me with a cross." And uh, is it? Are you bringing real holy water? My brain goes, "Oh no, you're a vampire. Never mind." Yeah, I, and Peter Vincent should know this because he's an actor who's been in many vampire movies. But I do think that I could see where someone could be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a born again Christian. I'm okay with this, but we can't be disrespectful, so you can't do." Uh, you can't do the crosses or whatever. I guess, but like, how hard is holy water to get? I mean, technically, both you and I could make it. Yes, but there there was no website in the 80s you could go to to get ordained. The Universal Life Church you could do by mail back in the day. Oh. That's how it started. The Beatles were all ordained. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know how hard it I mean, presumably any Catholic church you could have walked into Dude, and stolen blah, 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 holy water from. That's in Monster yeah. Squad, isn't it? Or no. Yeah, uh, it's in a lot of these it's movies. It's the Lost Boys, where they kick open the church during the christening and fill up their yes. um, their super soakers. Yeah, yeah. It's in a lot of these types of movies. But I do think, this is why I one quibble about Roddy McDowell, and this is probably a budget issue. He should have a more ridiculous car. A more Oh, you think he should drive the, like, the Dragula, he should drive, the Elvira mobile? Yes. Yeah, he should have a, a stupid-looking car that he got as a prop on the set of one of the movies. Because all the stuff he owns is props from the movies. Like, oh, this is the thing from this movie he's constantly oh, saying. Yeah. I want him to have a goofy car. I Yeah, I agree with that. It should have been like a, the Munster Mobile. Yeah, exactly. So Jerry kind of flirts with Amy, which is super creepy because she's a 17-year-old girl mm-hmm. and he's an undead vampire who's probably like 150 plus years old uh and, and he drinks the right. holy I water think if it's literally just him glamoring her into biting her, yeah fine it's weird but you're just like glamoring her so you can bite her and kill her but right it is a full-on seduction so no thank and you and there's i do think it's interesting that they have it set up that he has this painting of this old flame and the she looks just like amy but and i like that she- idea the movie says she looks just like Amy. I didn't think that painting looked a lot like what's her face. Oh, I totally did when I saw it. Like when he when they reveal it, I'm like, oh, that's the girlfriend. I I mean, yeah, I figured it was supposed to be, but like I didn't I didn't think they looked the same. Like it, you're saying it's like the painting of you as Mr. Mushnick from when you were in high school. No, that looks a lot like me in a high school. Okay. You hold a okay. picture of me in high school next to that thing, and it. It's got the chubby. Che- it's it's my stupid Lego haircut, my chubby cheeks. It's it's me. <laughs> but he does the holy water test, and Charlie sniffs it right out. He's like, "That's obviously not really holy water." And I was like, "Thank you." But what I wanted this to be is like, "Okay, try and drink this holy water." And and he has some that he is. Charlie prepared. has. I like that. 
And then it's like, uh, I'm not going to do that. Well, why won't you do that? And then it's like, get out of my house. Like, I would love if it was like just a little, like, turn the turn the temp up just a skosh on this Yeah, bit. give it a simmer. Give it a shake. I also like that his girlfriend is, uh, she's like a little dressed up for the vampire test. Like, it looks like she's wearing right. a blazer and a skirt. Yeah, it's like, she looks like a newscaster. <laughs> she does. We now come at you live. <laughs> Here from Jerry Dandridge's house where we're trying to see if he's a vampire. <laughs> Um, and then, so he, the water test, whatever, and then Charlie goes, all right, then touch this cross. And they're like, Charlie, he passed the water test. And I'm like, he's not asking him to walk on hot coals. He's saying, right, right. touch this piece of metal. Like, right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. They they quickly are like, oh, you fool. And then this leads to uh, Roddy McDowell using his little cigarette case with a mirror and then seeing Jerry has no reflection, which, interestingly enough, is a bit that they do exactly the same in the sequel. They have really? Roddy McDowell do the exact same bit, yes. In the remake or the sequel? The sequel, the okay. one with Roddy McDowell. Yeah, he, like goes he in the the sequel has and we'll maybe do that one day but the sequel has a ghostbusters 2 problem where it's like oh that thing that you think is real isn't real anymore which i you know we is both it hate just roddy mcdowell who returns or does charlie come back to charlie's too yeah and uh he he has the exact same cigarette case and the people that charlie is convinced are vampires roddy mcdowell is like they're not vampires and then he does the same exact cigarette <laughs> case thing and is like oh shit i always love when movies do the 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 no reflection thing well yeah, this one's really good. And I also love that, like, he gets startled and drops it and a piece breaks. And mm-hmm. that is the part where uh, Chris Sarandon le- figures out, oh, he knows. He knows. I, you know, I, I thought that we had played this off, but it didn't work. So uh, we think Ed gets bit in an alley and then it's a ha 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 fake out. And then he really gets bit, which is just kind of a waste of everybody's it is time. Real gay. <laughs> It is very good. I was like, oh, you, you're you biting him in the alley. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> Did you just come from the manhole? Wink, wink. <laughs> is that where loose meat is performing? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they run away. The all-male burlesque show at uh. the manhole. So they, they run away, Charlie and Amy, and they run into the... Uh, into the club here they're like hiding in the club this club by the way looks just like a dance like a like a dance discotheque but it's got yes. a full kitchen somehow with a with a chef yeah. and a chef outfit like the hat and this everything. is this is one of the things where i'm like all right this isn't a small town thing like there aren't dance clubs in small towns no there are not there might be a bar but there's not a dance club yeah i think this was to me i kind of got the like um the John Hughes Chicago vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're close enough to the city to get there. So uh, the next, they, so they hide out from Jerry in the club and you're trying to get away from him. And then we cut to Ed has gone to attack Peter Vincent and he's like fully, you know, he comes running and bangs on the door like, I need help. Let me in, let me in. And then turns into a vampire and he wears these glitter contact lenses that look really cool. But and apparently they, the actors do have glitter in them. Yes, and apparently the actors were absolutely completely blind when they were wearing them. Well, yeah, glitter is opaque. <laughs> glitter is opaque. <laughs> right. Well, these contact lenses were the same as just, like, having your eyes closed. They looked amazing, though. Oh, I thought they looked really cool. But apparently uh, the uh, actor who plays Ed here went really, really hard on Roddy McDowell and, like, bruised him up a bit. Oh, and really? so Roddy McDowell was really mad about it. I believe that. Because the 
the director was like, hey, don't hold back. Go for it here. And he's like, okay. And apparently Roddy McDowell did not get the same message. Uh, well, there's also, they worked really hard on this bit that like you don't notice, but he kind of, Roddy McDowell kind of backs up around this couch and this chair and um, Evil Ed comes after him. And there's a mirror behind him, and Evil Ed doesn't have a reflection in the mirror, but you can see everything else in the room. And I was like, that's just such a nice little touch that really yeah, sells this, yeah. this whole thing. Kind of Invisible Man vibes. Yeah. And there's a really great crossburn effect. Yeah, I love the scar that it leaves on his head. It's really gnarly looking. Which will make zero sense in about 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do explain it, and we'll get there, but they do explain it. No, because we'll it's, he's the one holding the cross. We'll we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, I I think it explains it because I had the same beef, and then I rewound the line, and I think it's it's okay. Um, we're back at the club. Jerry's there too. He's dancing with Amy and grabs her by the private parts. Grabs There's her, no way to say it. Right? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Uh, don't like it. And uh, Charlie is like frantically calling Peter Vincent trying to get to tell him to warn him. And the thing I really like here is she gets mesmerized and her hair starts to change and they change her hair kind of progressively. Oh, as she I didn't gets notice her hair vampiric. start to change here. Yeah. Yeah. It changes, later her it hair changes is like style, a full different length, a full different yes. color. <laughs> I was like, how, what, what? So it's like a short hair, like curly hairdo like close to her hair close to her head rather kind of like a like if ali sheedy in the breakfast club had a bit shorter of a haircut but as she starts to get mesmerized the hair starts moving up like it's more of an updo while she's dancing and then it becomes the full long hair later yeah long red hair from short black hair and uh the bouncer uh kind of gets involved here in this this thing and the the bounce the one of the two bouncers is a uh, biker from friday the 13th part three. Oh. And he gets vampire murdered, just like right through the gut, thrown around the dance mm-hmm. floor. So there's this, it's, I don't understand why movie, when movies do stuff like this, because Charlie comes up to the two of them and pulls Amy away. And then the bouncers get involved and they separate them. And so as Amy and him, a- Amy and Charlie are running to the door in the crowd because they, everyone sees the vampire attack, they get separated and Chris Sarandon grabs Amy. And I was like, well, why did we bother with the with the drama of him getting her if yeah. three seconds later she's going to get kidnapped again? Right, right. Because it's much more interesting if she chooses to go with him because she's mesmerized. Or and if not he glamours the bouncers. Like if sure, yeah, or also Charlie fine. brings the bouncers over and is like, hey, this guy's dancing with a teenager. And, right. and then he can glamour the bouncers or whatever. Yeah, no, I agree. We're using uh, glamours from True Blood. I don't know if that's the, a phrase everybody. Is it knows. really? Yeah, I I first heard it in True Blood, where they. I don't. I don't think that's limited to True Blood. Well, I. I so the idea that a vampire can mesmerize a person is called a. Gl- right. They specifically call it glamouring in True Blood, and I don't know that other media uses the word glamour. And I just realized that it's been ninety minutes of me saying a word that people might not might not get in context. Yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe you're right that that specific term, but I was going to say the mesmerized thing mesmerized is Mesmerized is a thing, but yeah. it's in True Blood, it's called a glamour, and so I've used that word a lot <laughs> in this podcast, and I realized I should probably explain that. Uh, so they, they drive away having kidnapped Amy, and Ed cackles a whole bunch. Uh-huh. That glamour is listed as a term on the Buffy, uh, Buffy wiki as well. But that could be a spell, the glamour spell. 
like from a mm, witch. Interesting to change her form. I'm not going to spend time looking. That's fine. It I'm doesn't. Curious. It does yeah. not matter. I've I've cleared up any issues we might have had, but yeah, glamour might be true blood. Anyway, um, there is a chart that I am going to spend a lot of time reading later on Wikipedia about vampire powers. Send and it the to source me. Of them. <laughs> there is like a break where it's like the it's a it's a chart of like the setting where it's from and then the various powers like uh immortal enhanced strength enhanced senses enhanced speed and then like which thing so i i will be spending some time reading that later maybe maybe the next episode you're gonna have to send that one to me already done (laughs) uh thank you so he talks peter into helping and uh at this point amy sees the painting or he tells her yeah, she wakes up in this gorgeous, like ethereal dress. Cause I feel like they always put Dracula's brides in like flowing Grecian sheer ethereal gowns. Right. And we'll just choose not to talk about the fact that he stripped a 17 year old girl naked. Uh, and yeah. I get just make your characters 18 movie. Right. It's just so much like, it's still bad that he did that, but it's a different kind. Yeah. Uh, he full on seduces her. She, she takes her top off and he bites her in the neck. And I was like, I know she's 28 in real life, but her character is 17. Yeah. Do you think the, I'm going to search out people who look like a former partner who wronged me is just like the most common thing among immortal beings. It's gotta be right. Or, or, um, their descendants. Oh yeah. It's either descendants, descendants don't always look like the person though. Well, no, no, no. But I think it's either descendants, like you pay for the crimes of the father or whatever the hell that is from the Bible or, or you look like my love and you're just unlucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is all going on outside the house. Charlie's about to run in and Peter Vincent luckily shows up with his whole vampire killing kit. And they clearly sneak into what is a trap. Yes, they they're basically they're they're <laughs> there's a spring loaded thing and a piece of cheese and Charlie is like, "Ooh, cheese." <laughs> yeah, cuz Charlie's an idiot. So Jerry comes to the top of the stairs and he does the titular "Welcome to Fright Night" just like Peter Vincent does every week. Mm-hmm. Uh I think that this is the point where it like finally crystallized for me. This is where I wrote the note. I felt this way the whole movie, but Chris Saran in really perfect casting. He's just He's such a so treat. So good. He's sort of debonair and smooth and like you believe that he could trick people into, you know, he attractive as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I think he's really great. I wonder if he and Susan still talk like if they're are they related. He was her. She was his first wife. That's why she. Susan oh, Sarandon. is that is that really? I didn't know that. Which like I that's assumed there was a relation that like your stage name is your ex-husband's name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ho- so they were married before she started acting. I don't know, or maybe the start of her career. I don't. I didn't look too hard into it, but yeah, she is his first wife. Mm. So this is where they do the cross thing that you find upsetting, where Peter Vincent takes the cross out and he kind of laughs at it. But what he says is, "You have to really believe because I've dealt with like at my age, it's you have to really believe." Oh, so and specifically so, because, because I, I was like. It says you have to believe, but if he burns someone else, then he has to, then he clearly believes. So, like, he believed enough to get the the, the fresh baby. vampire, mm-hmm. but, like, this is this is a loose meat vampire. He's been around a while. Yes. He's, he's deep in that bin. <laughs> he's the gray meat at the bottom of the loose meat barrel. Exactly. So he needs some real tenderizing. 
anyway, I thought that was kind of a cool wrinkle. The idea that like some of the vampire, like, like Chris Sarandon could probably eat garlic at this point. I thought was interesting. Yeah. That would have been, uh, that also would have been a clever twist on the, um, if he had done something like that, he'd be like, Hey, how about you just give me a head of garlic and I'll take a bite like an apple or something. Yeah. Well, we got to remember that for the Nona movie. For th- <laughs> I give him, I give him a whole other garlic, and he just chomps away. <laughs> I threw my garlic right at him. <laughs> what do you mean you're a moon to the garlic? <laughs> uh, so Charlie gets knocked out. Peter runs to and you. I, well, you think he's just running at first, and I was like, oh my god, is he just leaving this kid to die? But no, he's That's running to Charlie's That's my kind of movie, house. Abandon the Child and Save Yourself. <laughs> That's my movie. See ya! Hey. I forgot I left the oven on, pardon me! Chris Sarandon, I'll leave you to your boyfriend, I'll get the hell out of town. <laughs> but he, he runs to Charlie's house, and uh, Ed is there, so it's like your two simultaneous fight scenes happening in adjacent houses... Peter Vincent versus Ed and Charlie versus uh, Jerry. And Ed pulls a Sarah Jessica Parker and Hocus Pocus. He's hiding under mom's covers. With a literal raggedy Ann yeah. wig on. Yeah, which didn't make sense. Why does he have a yarn wig? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that in like Jerry's closet? Does he have just like odd disguises? <laughs> or maybe, maybe um, it's like an old Halloween costume of mom's. Oh, Maybe. She's Ubered out of the movie long ago, so we can't ask her. Oh, yeah. Ed is like, she left a note and said dinner's in the oven, and she never But why does that note have to, like, I don't, that to me is another moment of, like, that's not really world building in a a way that feels, you know, relevant and necessary. It's like, it's world building. It's world building in the way of we only paid her for three days and this is the fourth. But he, so, but, but Evil Ed says... She's working nights. And I was like, great, cool. That's why she's not here. And he goes, but she left a note. And then the next five minutes of the movie are him like slowly pulling the note out of his jacket, unfolding it, and then reading it and laughing about it. And I was like, no, I got it five minutes ago when you said she's working nights. I got well, it. The, I'm here. Well, well, but you missed the joke then. What's the joke? He, the vampire says that. She left dinner, meaning Peter Vincent. She said she left dinner in the oven. His dinner is in the oven. I don't know that I said, I did say in the oven, but I thought it it said that she left dinner. his dinner's in the oven is the line. Okay. Uh, And so Peter, I almost said Peter Falk. Wow. (laughs) I would be so into that. It's a much cooler movie with Peter Falk. Eh, Excuse me, Mr. Dracula. Uh, Just uh, one more thing. Could you, uh, could you drink this holy water? I'd be so here for it. One more It's thing. a terrible Peter Falk. You don't need to point it out to One me. More I thing. just. <laughs> oh my God. I was, I just realized the Peter Falk made me think that I, which I think might be an extension of the Nona, but I'm here for Angela Lansbury as the horror hostess. Angela Lansbury could be one of the Nonas. We'll have to draft her in. Yeah. Maybe they're not all Italian. Well, that's like, what I was going to say. Like... I want Jennifer Lewis in this movie too. And she's not Italian. I don't think. I don't know who that is. She is um, the grandmother in Blackish, and she. Oh, okay. I can't think of. She's done a lot of other stuff. She's this. She's a huge personality. She's hilarious. Okay, I know. Who I was say you would know her to look at her, but I I can't think of other stuff she's been in on the top of my head. Anyway, I got distracted by Nona's again. Um, 
he gets Peter Vincent gets knocked through a table and breaks a table leg and then uh, picks that up and uses it to stake Ed, who like slowly Ed wor- turned wor- into wor- a wolf. Wor- yes, and it's a, but then he turns it's a beautiful. It's a gorgeous looking wolf. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. But he like keeps working his way backward into Ed. So it's no, no he um <laughs> yeah he he there on the second story and the wolf comes down the hallway. Peter Vincent stakes him and throws him like over the balcony. And then there's an overhead shot of the wolf on the ground. And it's clearly a dude in a wolf costume. Yes. Oh, yes. This is great. So this is so good. Yes. 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 If you're Patreon, you'll have heard this. But when we did the great Muppet caper, there's this creepy shot of a human in a Miss Piggy costume. It's an overhead shot of a clear human in a Miss Piggy costume walking down the street. And it's like, Right in the uncanny valley, it triggers uh-huh. your brain's fight or flight response. That's what this wolf looks like because it's like clearly a dude in a little costume. But they also made the weird choice of the wolf has its arms and legs extended, so it's like you're imagine doing like a like a dive, you know? Yeah, like or a, like a, a like sploot, as some like a corgi yeah. sploot. Yeah, but the wolf is then trying to move, so it looks like a sausage, just like <laughs> wriggling so and weird. wiggling. Um, it's really bizarre. And there's a great transformation of him turning back into evil Ed, where it's like his hand melts into a, into flesh and it looks great. But then, uh, it just, he dies for far too long. It looks great, but it's too long. And then, I was also surprised we didn't get the like, thank you as he dies. Yeah. Moment. It seems like that's coming. And then it just ends with a yeah. naked dude on the ground. Yep. <laughs> and Peter Vincent's like, well, I, uh, got to go help over back. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ch- meanwhile, Charlie is locked in a room with Amy, the vampire, mm-hmm. and uh, the whole house just looks dope as hell at this. Like we're like running through the house. I love this. House. It's up there. It's up there with the house from Clue and the house from Casper. And now the houses from Hill House and Bly Manor of like great film houses. Yeah. Uh, and Peter Vincent climbs, like gets his, makes his way in and is like, if we kill the vampire by dawn, Amy will be saved. I don't quite get and the lore logic. Goes, and Charlie goes, are you sure? And he's like, I don't know. He what says all the other there? things. He said all the other things from movies have worked so far. So this one probably will too, which is great. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, Hey, what's your idea, Charlie? What's your plan to yeah, save precisely. your I'm all ears. Regardless, regardless of whether or not you can save her, you should definitely try to kill the vampire. Yeah. Um, and this is where uh, Charlie and Peter Vincent are on the, on the staircase, and uh, Chris Sarandon's at the top, and they turn around, and his boyfriend is at the bottom coming up the stairs, and Peter Vincent shoots him in the head, and he yeah, tum- he- it's a great tumble. <laughs> yeah. He earlier had set up a literal Chekhov's gun of, like, I'm going to shoot the familiar because we know he's a daywalker. Yeah. And then you find out that uh, he's not a, a, a human, but he's not a vampire. He's just some kind of undead creature because he melts into a pile of goo and sand and it looks excellent. It does look very cool. It's it's much like the uh, final scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark with the Nazis. Yeah. Mixed with a little bit of um, gremlins, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it is. I do wish they explained what the hell this thing was. Yeah, I'm like, is he a golem? Is he a zombie? He, I think golem is probably right based on what we see. But you're right; it's just a mystery. An ex boyfriend of his? I don't know. So Jerry uh, summons Amy, 
and is like he's standing on the roof and really sort of vampire wolfed out and is is calling to her for help. Wakes her up. Um, and then he dives through the big round stained glass at the top of his staircase, which looks really cool. And this is where I thought the movie should have ended, pretty much. Like, there's another 10 to 15 minutes of movie that I think are pretty superf- superfluous. Um because we get a real hocus pocus setup here where he crashes through the window and we can see the like the sky is starting to pink behind him and get lighter um and Peter not Peter Falk damn it Peter Vincent is like holding the cross and they have the moment of like I told you you can't you know that only works if you have true faith and then he like kind of does like a thrust and he's like oh like realizes there is true faith and the sun comes up and it hits him and I was like oh great hit, hit him with the sun he dies movie over great yeah but then they decided it has to go on another 10 minutes and i was like we don't we don't need all that yeah it is a bit of a false ending i do like that he turns into a bat again and then he's fighting peter vincent as a bat yeah but like i'm fine with that and then throw him out the window and he falls in the lawn in the sun and then right right uh apparently uh peter vincent uh roddy mcdowell rather uh broke the puppet when they were filming this the first (laughs) time and they had to stop and fix the puppet and wait multiple days for the glue to reset (laughs) i love that um so they have to chase him to the basement get open his coffin it's a whole i don't it doesn't need to be drawn out like this Right, right. You could have trimmed this down. I'm with you. Also, at this point, Amy has so much makeup on and her look she is so look different like that I I didn't I genuinely thought they might have brought in a different actress for some stunts or something. Yeah, her hair is so different, but she's got the, the shark mouth that sort of everyone knows of the visual of this movie. So Peter gets the coffin open. He stakes him, but he misses the heart. And so they have uh, to start breaking windows. Right. Yeah, that's that. That part I really love. He starts smashing the windows and it's kind of like a force field. Mm-hmm. Almost almost uh, that kind of vibe for when you're a kid. And so Peter Vincent is like in light and therefore Jerry can't get to him. Yeah. So they smash all the windows and he he looks excellent the way he dies. But yeah. Yeah. Peter Vincent like finally gets to the coffin as he's fleeing to it. He blocks it so he can't get in. And then he's like trapped in the light and gets burnt. Mm-hmm. Melts, gets all gooey. So Charlie tackles Amy to save her from walking into the light as she starts melting, mm-hmm. or as, as rather, uh, uh, sorry, that uh, Jerry Dandridge starts melting. And then Amy's okay, and then we cut to Charlie and Amy getting busy while watching Fright at Night, and next door there's glowing red eyes, and we hear Evil Ed again! To be continued, except he was, he turned it down to be in 856 Evil, or whatever that movie is. 976 Evil. Thank you. Uh, which probably not the right call. No, probably not. Although I feel like either way, it was sort of a middling thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, better on, well, I guess not. You want to be in more franchise. I was gonna say better for the late in life con circuit, but you want to be on, uh, you want to be on, you know, as many things as you can, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that's the end, obviously. Uh, final thoughts. I like it. I just think it's a little too long. But um, okay, and I think because it is sort of, it's like you said, it's not necessarily that it's paced weirdly. It's more that like the placement of beats doesn't doesn't fit doesn't line up exactly where your brain goes, so it feels longer in spots. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's it's sort of a four act structure for this movie, which yeah. is weird. But I do I do think this is really good. As I said, I highly recommend both this and the uh, the remake. Uh, this you one's know on Amazon one Prime Video. 
currently. And the remake is also streaming somewhere fairly accessible. Cause we, I think you're right. Uh, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be a different service, but I'm sure you could find it uh, somewhere out there. But I uh, highly recommend both these. Uh, they're both really, really enjoyable. This obviously has the 80s flavor, uh, but the apparently it's on the Showtime. The remake is apparently on Showtime. Okay. Um, so highly recommend both these. Good, good use of, of your time. Uh, this one has a nice 80s charm to it and the other one obviously more modern but one of the better uh one of the best horror remakes and follows the rule that we have said many times is don't remake the great ones like yeah. this movie is fun but it is not by any means a masterpiece it's a perfect candidate i think for a remake yeah. like it's you jazz it up a little so yeah highly recommend both and uh Thank you for for listening to the show. If you haven't yet, please uh, take the time to go write us a review. That's free. And if you want more episodes of this show, that's right. Bonus content is available at Dissecting the 80s Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Dissecting the 80s. At the $5 tier, you get four bonus episodes a year. Maybe soon to be one a month if we get enough people on board that train. Yeah. And uh, already now, if you sign up right now, you get like six or eight bonus episodes right off the top of the... No, it's more than that. Gosh, it's probably close to 10, 12 probably. bonus episodes. There's a lot of content there. It's, uh, we've been doing the Patreon for, for two years now. Uh, we got a commentary track. There's all sorts of great stuff. So check that out if you don't mind. Get yourself a Christmas present or a holiday yeah. treat at patreon.com slash dissectthe80s. Uh, dissectthe80s.com is the website and we're also at dissectthe80s on twitter and on facebook if you'd like to get a hold of us we'd love to hear from you we will be back in two weeks to continue no vampire with a wonderful movie from Catherine bigelow near dark very excited to, to watch that again and uh, to watch it with you know, to talk about it with you who has not seen it nope thank you again for listening i have been trip lano i will always be andrew lano until next time don't you forget about me Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.